read some some things. We're talking about the immutability of God, and uh, and the the title of this uh, sermon or this series is in Hebrews six is full assurance of the faith. Right, so coming to full assurance of the faith and and um, you know growing in our assurances and that strong consolation that we have in Christ and that God wants us to have. God wants you as a child of God to come to full assurance. That's not the same as coming to salvation. You understand, right? Coming to full assurance is the assurance of that, the assurances of that salvation that you are you you know you are assured uh you know in your heart and your life and in your walk with God but your assurance is based on the scriptures right it's based on the word of God it's based on the truths of the bible not the way you feel not your circumstances in life not what you're going through right but who God is and that's really what we've been talking about here uh with that verse number 18 through 20 is what we're going to look at today we won't get all the way through everything but that's okay we have another week one more here before I leave on vacation there I think it's one more maybe there's another one after that I can't remember what is this this is the no it'll be one more after this I believe and uh that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What you find here is the, 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 the beginning starts with Christ, the beginning of the chapter, and the end of the chapter ends with Christ. That's your life. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, right? He's the beginner of it, he's the author of it, and he's the finisher of it. He's the completer of it. He will finish the job that he has started, amen? That's, that gives great consolation to God's people because it's not up to you to finish the work that God started. It's up to him to. It's up to us to be obedient and to follow the Lord, but it's God who is the finisher. God is the one that does the finishing work. God is the one that finishes all the imperfections in us. God is the one that does that work, right? It's him that does that, and we can rejoice in that. Father in heaven, Lord, help us now as we wade into these uh, matters here, Lord, of, of a full assurance of the faith as we kind of finish this one on God's immutability and, and pick up uh, and continue on in this text, in this chapter, Lord, that we've covered here this this whole month or so that we've looked at it and Help us, Lord, to uh, have it sink into our hearts. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're gonna, we talked about God's uh, immutability, and the one thing that I want to continue on with here in talking about that is two things that cannot be separated. God's mercy is never separated with his immutability. God is merciful. God is immutable. God is holy. He is immutable. Immutability means that God does not change. His nature does not change. His purposes do not change. God doesn't change, right? He is holy. He will always be holy. Everything that stems from him and that comes from him is holy. Out of everything, his, out of all of his attributes, holiness and righteousness is his main attribute, which is the reason why he is immutable. Okay, all of God's attributes flow from his holiness, every single one of them. That's how you can trust God, because everything that he does is holy. Everything that he is is holy. Every attribute, right? So, so his, his mercy is holy. Amen. It's, it's, it's holy. It comes from his holiness. His mercifulness comes from... God is a great judge because he is holy. That's, that's why he's the best judge ever. 
right? That's why when you and I cannot come to uh, to um, an agreement, so to speak, or when matters are judged and we are judged unfairly in things, then we have to leave it. When we can do nothing about that, we leave it to the judgment seat of Christ. And we go on. Why is that? Because the judge of all the earth will do right. God will judge it one day in his, in his holy throne. He will judge all things. He will bring all things into judgment. So then you and I can, you and I can rest assured of, of, that very, of that judgment of God. God's mercy is tied to his immutability. And Psalm 52, we're going we're gonna to talk about some of God's, God's mercy and how it endureth forever, how it endureth continually. God's, and that's important for you to understand because that's the reason why you're still saved here this morning. All right? That's the reason why. When you came to Christ as your Lord and Savior and He brought you to repentance and faith in Him, that moving of the Holy Ghost of God, that, that, that heavenly transaction of regeneration took place and you were made new in Christ, then guess what? God doesn't change that. He doesn't change His mind on that. He doesn't... God, why? Because His mercy endureth forever. Psalm 52, 1. Why boasteth thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. God's goodness endureth continually. Psalm 106, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. God's mercy is forever. Psalm 107, verse 1. O give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I wonder if any of you, when you're having times of trial, and if you're ever meditating on these verses. See, your mind will many times want to meditate on the most damning things ever that it possibly can, or the most negative things ever. If you find in your Christian walk that your mind is going in that direction constantly, don't blame it on the Holy Ghost and say, well, God must be telling me I'm that big of a wretch. Well, if God tells you you're a wretch, he always points you to Jesus and said, but he's great. Amen. That's how God does it. That's how God doesn't leave you in ultimate and absolute despair. He shows you Christ. He shows you his mercy. Christ is the mercy of God. That is, that is who Christ is. He is the person of mercy. That's, that's who he is. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I hope the redeemed of the Lord are saying so, that God is merciful. I hope that comes from their lips. I, you know what? We get to be such babies sometimes that, that when things don't go our way, we automatically think everything's horrible and bad and terrible, and somehow God's not, God's not good anymore. Right? God's not good anymore, and, 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 and that, that's where our minds end up going. That's where our hearts end up. Well, you're meditating on the wrong things, that's why. You have one or two things go wrong in your life, and your circumstances are not where you'd like them to be, and you, you basically tie your, your assurance to all your emotions and your circumstances. Well, that's not a good way to judge your assurance when things are going good, or that's not a good way to judge God and judge the things of God when things are going my way. Well, then I must be saved when they're not, then I must be lost. That's not, that's not assurance. <laughs> that's your emotions. That isn't, that, isn't, that isn't the sure rock of assurance that God has given us in Christ and where to find that assurance. Amen. 
We need to remember that. Uh, Psalm 112, verse 3. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Psalm 112, verse 9. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Psalm 107, verse, 117, verse 2. For his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. By the way, do you understand how God's truth, God's mercy, and God's righteousness are all connected? That's truth. Mercy and they, God cannot lie. He promised before the world began. So truth, mercy, and righteousness, they're all connected. I think that's all the same. It's all one line with God. It's all one, it, because it's who God is. You need to really start learning who God is. The longer you're saved, by the way, you'll learn who God is. Right? God's not your, fa- your earthly father who failed you. God's not your earthly mother who failed you. God's not earthly any earthly authority that fails you. He is high above all of them. And he deserves respect and honor and glory. He's not. And if you treat God um, uh, di- differently, <clears throat> excuse me, or poorly because of because of the way others in authority treated you, then you're not you're not worshiping God in spirit and in truth like you should. You're not recognizing him and his authority in your life and his love for you and his care for you. As much as we understand that God is a God of wrath, God is a God of love. Amen. And he's a God of mercy because he's a God of truth. And if you believe and follow his truth, he is merciful to his people. You have to understand that. It doesn't have anything to do with your circumstances or your, or your failures or anything else. It has to do with who God is. Everything, the Bible says salvation is of the Lord. That's, that means it has very little to do with you. Only the sin that caused the need. That's what it has to do with you. You, you. Your sin made the need, created the need, right? Your sin did. Everything else, the Lord. Everything else, the Lord. Amen. Wow, that's just Bible right there. That's all that is. That's just, that's just Bible truth right there. You can't add one thing. You can't take away anything. It's God. It's the nature of a holy God. Man, you've got to understand God better. You, we all do. We've got to understand who God is better. You know, you'll trust God more when you learn Him more. Every relationship grows through trust, and it grows through time, and it grows through care, and it grows through understanding one another, right? As young couples, newly, couple, new, newly married, you know, everything is exciting, and everything is new, and everything, and, and you're, you're just beginning to communicate and to learn one another, and, and, and you know, there's going to come a time as you, as you continue on that you'll actually start to know each other. You'll actually start to know know who you know know each other and understand each other and understand the heart of your wife and and get to know them, right? And them get to know you. It's unfortunate when I see people that are married a very long time that they that they don't even hardly know each other. It's a terrible thing. It should never be that way. You ought to know one another. You ought to be able to talk to one another intimately. You ought to have that that conversation, right? That's the same that's the same picture of our relationship with Christ is that we ought to get to know him. You ought to get to understand who God is. It's not enough that he in the sense of it is enough in with the atonement, but it's not enough for you in your walk with God that all you know him as is a savior. You ought to know him as a shepherd. You ought to know him as 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 a brother. You ought to know him as a friend. You ought to know God. Amen. And how you know God, the only way, the only way 
you will ever know God better is through Christ, because Christ is the only way that you can understand who God is. Why? Because he's the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the one that makes God understandable to us. Do you get that? So then what am I saying? I'm saying Christ, the word, right? And the word. So this is a mirror. This is how do I know Christ better? I know him better through this. Are you following me? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So how do I know God better? I know him better through Christ. How do I know Christ better? I know him better through the word. Do you see? I know what you were hoping for is to see God in your cornflakes this morning. What you were hoping for was to see him in your lucky, your bowl of lucky charms this morning. What you were hoping for is feelings and premonitions and, and the sky turning a certain color and you looking at a bird a certain way and something happening in your life and all those other things. They really, no, no, no. It's very simple. It's this. Stop looking at the cornflakes and start looking at Jesus. Stop looking for signs and wonders and look at Jesus right here in his word right here. This is where you find him. This is how I know him better. Man, I haven't even got started yet. I better get moving. All right, here we go. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good for his because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I like what he says here. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Amen. The entire Psalm 136, the entire Psalm is about, is dedicated to the Lord's mercy enduring forever. So if God, if God designated an entire Psalm for that, Don't you ought to think you ought to designate some time to recognize God's mercy that endureth forever? Don't you think you ought to, as God's child, believe it? Stop trying to feel it and just believe God. I'm going to say it again to you. Stop trying to feel it and believe God. It's good advice, isn't it? Somebody just told me no. Well, that's how you feel. I know. I, 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 I understand that. I've preached to Baptists for a long time. I get that. I, I understand that. You were just the honest one, Noah. That's all. Uh, was that Noah that said that? Was it? Okay, good. Yeah. All right. All right. We got an ark for you, buddy. Uh, right? Anyway. The ne- we just finished up with the immutability here, and we're going to move on to fleeing for refuge. God is our refuge. That's what we're going to talk about here, because that's the next in the text here. If we look at verse 18 here. Uh, it says here that, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Refuge. God is our refuge, right? In the Bible, we need to understand what that means when we say that. The Bible says a lot of times God is a tower, God is our shield, God is many things. And he explains what what those things mean in the scriptures. When you define them, when you look at them, you can see that. Now, the first time we see that word refuge, we understand it's in Numbers chapter 35, and it's dealing with the cities of refuge. And that Jesus Christ is the sinner's refuge from the wrath of God. That's the picture that's there. Those cities of refuge, all those Old Testament types and shadows are pictures, not for you to live in, not for you to stay in, not for you to be bound to, but for you to look to that and then see Christ and know that he is the completion of all things. That's where you go. You go to Jesus. We go to a person, right? 
We don't, we don't look, we don't, we don't trust in ordinances. We don't trust in church membership. We don't trust, we trust in a person. Amen. We trust in Christ Jesus, the Lord. He is our refuge, right? This church is not built around, this church is not built on a system. Do you understand that, right? Because if it was, it would crumble. It is built on a person. And that person is Christ, the Lord. Amen. He is the foundation. Amen. And he is your foundation. He is the rock of our foundation. Amen. And I can't praise him enough here this morning. I can't, I can't point him enough and show you that you ought to praise Christ, that you ought to look to Jesus. You ought to keep your eyes on the refuge. You ought to understand that. So we're going to explain a little bit what that means. God provided that place of refuge. Turn to John chapter 6. I believe it is. Let's see. Verse number 37. I like this, what it says here in verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Why? Because Christ is our refuge. No other place is safe. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. Sinners had to flee to safety, right? They had to flee to the city of refuge. If they were a murderer, if they had, if they had, or if they had killed somebody by accident or something like that, if an accident took place, right, then they would have to flee to cities of refuge that were set up, and the high priest would have to judge the matter, and they would have to stay in that city of refuge until uh, the matter was judged or for the rest of their life. Cause when the avenger of blood would come, the avenger of blood would come and he would, uh, kill them or slay them. If they were outside of that city of refuge, then they would be slain. What is that avenger of blood? That's a picture of the law. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law is the avenger of blood. Why? Cause you are guilty before God, Right. The, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You are guilty before God. So when you are guilty before God, you are a sinner and you are guilty. And when you are a sinner and you are guilty before God, the avenger of blood will come and it will slay you and you will die and go to a devil's hell. That is a picture that is there in the Old Testament. That is a picture to understand, right? That there is an avenger of blood, but there is a refuge And that refuge is in Christ. He is our refuge. Christ is is what we run into. Christ is is who we run to. We run to that refuge. So so the avenger of blood would come after them, and they had to run to those cities of refuge. And as long as they were within the walls of the city of of refuge, they could not be slain. And when you are in Christ, you cannot be slain for your sin. Why? Why? Because Jesus paid for it. Remember, there was blood that had to be shed. That lamb had to die. A sacrifice had to come to make an atonement for the blood that was shed. Because the life is in the blood. Right? And whoso sheddeth a man's blood, so shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Right? That's what God said. So without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So blood had to be shed. Right? For your sin. Well, the spotless Lamb of God had to come and die for your sins. Because, yes, you are that wicked and you are that evil. 
And in case no one ever told you, you do deserve to go to hell. All of us do. We deserve to rot in hell for all of eternity and to burn forever because we are rebels against God, because we despised God's order, we despised God's plan, we were sinners, and we were exceedingly sinful. And if your mind and heart, when your mind and heart indict you about that matter, why disagree with it? It's true. I don't. I mean, I, you know, when I went through a time of, ter- of, of extreme turmoil with battling assurances and depressions and everything else, the one thing God taught me to eventually do is, well, why don't you just own it and say, yeah, I am that bad. But Christ is so much better. Amen. <laughs> and Christ paid for my sins. Not because I was worthy of it. Not because of the degree of, of dedication that I ever had to God. or Not because of anything in me. But because of who he is and because of his mercy, I didn't bring me to Christ. Christ brought me through his word, through the leading of the Holy Ghost of God, through the conviction of sin from the Holy Spirit to show us our lost and hellbound condition. If you think you got saved outside of the Holy Ghost, you're nuts and very deceived. That was the purpose of the ministry of the Holy Ghost, that the word of God would be preached and that the Holy Spirit of God would convict men of their sin. He would reveal their sin unto them and show them and blame them to their face. Amen. But then he would point them to the sinless and perfect Son of God and say, Christ is greater than all your sins. Ah, Stop focusing on your sin and focus on Christ, who is far better If you keep looking at your sinful self, you'll only get more depressed. If you look to Jesus and his mercy and his love and his care and and the fact that he is our refuge, God God will encourage you with that, right? You know, the one thing that we understand, though, the cities of refuge were only for those who were innocent, not for those who were guilty. That's the contrast with Christ. Christ, Christ died for sinners, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't you see? Don't you understand why Christ? That's why I don't live in the Old Testament types and shadows because they were inferior. Because if I, if I was really judged for my sin, then I wouldn't be the innocent. I would be the guilty. And Christ says, I know you were guilty. And while you were polluted in your own blood, I looked at you and I said, live, live, live. Amen. That's life eternal. God said that. God did that. That's the power of God. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That the guilty are forgiven upon the atonement of Jesus Christ. My friend, you better make much about the atonement of Christ and very little about yourself. You better start looking at the atonement more that Jesus paid. And by the way, it's paid in full. Amen. It's paid in full. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. You'll never convince me that his blood isn't powerful enough to pay for all sin. It was accepted by the Father. And if it's accepted by the Father, God doesn't change. He's immutable. His mercy endureth forever. And he is forever gracious to his people. Amen. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior is Christ the Lord. Amen. 
who loved us so much that he that he died on the cross for our sins that he came and he was resurrected and and he and he, he uh, ascended up on high and and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men amen and he's still giving them today isn't he he's still blessing us today if you're in the under the sound of this preaching I don't care if you're lost or saved you're a blessed person to be able to hear the word of God preached to you amen. for God to call out your sin and show you the truth of it rejoice in the Lord and again I say rejoice because he is worthy I don't don't tell me you're rejoice because of way you feel. If, if all you do is rejoice because you feel good, then you're an idolater. And you ought to repent of that. Yeah. Amen. You ought to repent of, repent of only rejoicing when, when you feel good. Amen. The Bible says it's for the joy that was set before him. Christ endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Right? He endured the cross. What joy to bring lost sinners to be sons. Amen. That's the gospel. Hold fast that form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto, unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelt in us. Amen. That's the gospel. That's that good thing. That good work that God hath begun in you. He shall perform it unto the day of Christ. That's the promise of God. Why do you look at your own frailty? Why don't you look at the magnificent power of God? Why don't you look at God and His goodness? Why, why isn't your mind and heart turned towards God? Why is it turned towards yourself so much? Why do you think on yourself so much? Why not think on His atonement and see the greatness of what Christ did for us? Amen. What is that refuge? What does it mean? It means a shelter, protection from danger or distress. That which shelters or protects from danger, distress, or calamity. A stronghold which protects by its strength. Or a sanctuary which secures safety by its sacredness. Any place inaccessible to an enemy. That's Christ. Right? What, the, what does that verse say? Who have fled for refuge? Fled for refuge. Listen to me. When a man, when a man is a lost man, he's running to Christ. You're not, you're, when, when a man is a lost man or a woman, whatever it is, and they're running for the refuge, guess what they're not doing? They're not debating like how good they are or anything else. They're running, right? They're running to the refuge. Yes, sir. No, Minneapolis is not a city of refuge, right? I mean, they, they think there's people, a lot of people that think that. Yes. Right, exactly. There's, yeah, exactly. You, a woman told me that one day. I thought, I didn't know what she was talking about. You didn't know that? She's talking about like illegal immigration and all that stuff. That's what she's talking about or whatever. Like they're a city of refuge. Yeah. Well, that's what they did with COVID too. Come hide in a secret place or whatever. And they tried to make COVID like this spiritual thing. And I'm like, you people are a bunch of antichrist idolaters is what you are. By the way, that, what they, what they're doing is Roman Catholicism. What she said to you was Roman Catholicism. That's what they do. They have sanctuary cities. Don't you know Minneapolis is a sanctuary city? Really? Because people are dying up there. They're murdering people in the streets. That don't sound like a sanctuary. That sounds like hell. Amen. Right? That's what it sounds like. No, Christ is our refuge. Amen. He is our city of refuge. There are none on this earth. Christ is. America is not a city of refuge. America is a cesspool of hell. Amen. It is Babylon. Amen. Christ is our refuge. Numbers 35, 11 says, Then you shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee th thither. 
which killeth any person at unawares, and that they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. Christ, by the way, Paul, it's funny because that's, that's the next phrase in my notes. Christ is our city of refuge, right? Yeah, we are guilty, right? We are in need of protections from sin and the avenger, which is death. Death is coming upon all men. I don't care who you are in this room, you're going to die someday. You're going to die. Right? It is appointed a man once to die. We're going to die. Unless Jesus comes back. Amen? <laughs> but we're going to die. We're going to die one day. Right? We know that. We're going to die. Death is coming for you. Death is that avenger. Right? It's going to come and take you. <laughs> Biblical faith. Christ is our hiding place. He is our shelter in the time of storm. No matter what comes your way or who your enemies are, Christ is your refuge. And he needs to be. And you need to remember that no matter what you go through. The most grievous trials and the, most, and the, the greatest of enemies that you ever face and all of those things in this life that you go through. They, for the child of God, the only reason God allows them to come your way is so you see that Christ is far better than everything. That Christ is our refuge. That he will keep you. He will shelter you. He will hold you. He will not let you go. So much better than a city of refuge. For when the high priest died, guess what? It was all open season. Right? But what was the difference? Christ will never die. He is a priest forever after the order Melchizedek. He only died in three days and three nights he rose from the dead. And he defeated death. He absolutely defeated death. Right? He defeated it. So that's why death, that's why Christ is so much better than the cities of refuge. He is so much better than any of those. Why? Because no one could defeat death but Christ. No one could reign victorious over death but Jesus. That's the power of the gospel. You know the reason why I live today, and I don't mean just my heart beating, but the reason why I serve God today, the reason why I am where I'm at, and the reason why you are where you're at today is because of Christ. It's because of the victory of the resurrected life. Do you understand that? That's the victory. I live, I, I'm not living in failure. I'm living in victory. I'm living the victorious life. Right? Because of Christ. Because of his goodness. Because of who he is. Amen? Oh, worship the king. Amen? He deserves it. He deserves the worship. Biblical faith runs into the refuge. When you are afraid, run to the refuge. When you lack all assurance and feel yourself sinking, run to the refuge. He is a sure foundation. He will bring you to the end of yourself. And you'll look around at the end of life and you will see, even in the midst of all the fiercest storms ever, that he never forsook you. He held you up through all your fears and trials. Euro Clyden was not able to sink the good old gospel ship, but you were able to continue on because of who Christ is. Always make the source of your assurance who Christ is and never how you feel. Always make the source of your assurance what Christ, who Christ is and the work that he has done in your heart. Never, never, ever, ever, ever make it based upon how you feel or your circumstances in life. Never, never, never do that. It is a trap that, will, that you will be set up for. Because when things go good, you'll be riding high and feeling great. When things go bad, you will sink 
lower than ever. And by the way, God allows that to happen to you. You know, I find that most of the Christians that have ever suffered depression or anything like that, uh, or, or any of those spiritual depressions or any of those things, many times God is using that as a cleanser. Remember the house of mourning that we talked about, how God said that the, it cleanses you to go to the house of mourning? Why? Because it frees you from something. What is that? Your emotions. It frees you from being dependent upon them. Not that you shouldn't have any, because we should, but that you're not dependent upon them. God shows you that you see how sorrowful you are. You see how much mourning you have. You see how much grief you have. And you see how bad you feel. Well, that has nothing to do with who I am. That doesn't change who I am in that sense. Now, God is touched with the feeling of your infirmities, right? He is touched with your sorrow. He is the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he went to the house of sorrows. And you know, God taught me that, that as time went on, that you know what? If you're going to be like your Lord, you're going to have to suffer a lot of things. If you're going to pastor my sheep, if you're, going to, if you're going to shepherd my sheep, then you're going to have to be touched with the feeling of their infirmities. You're going to have to go through some things. You're going to have to, you're going to have, to have sorrow. You're going to have to go to the house of sorrow. You're going to have to be betrayed. Why? Well... One only has to look at the New Testament and see it all over, or the Old Testament prophets, but also you only have to look at our Baptist history when you study it as well. And you see all, they were like, they were betrayed. They were lied about. They were, somehow you think in your mind sometimes when you pastor that, well, I mean, I can't imagine God letting these people lie about me or letting this happen or letting that happen. Really? Because they did it about Christ. Somehow I miss that. I don't (laughs) Paul, I don't know how I missed that. I don't know how I missed that one right there, but I missed it somehow. In my mind, I missed understanding that, that, wait a minute, God's not, God's not going to free you from that. No, you're going to go through that, and, you, and he's going to hold you up through it all to show you that he is God, and there's none like him. Amen? Because he is a refuge. He is a sure foundation. Psalm 9, verse 9 through 11. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. So you're to look to that refuge. You're to run. What does the, what does the scripture say there in, in our, our text? It says who flee, right? You run to the refuge. You're running. You're running to him. That's what in times of trouble you run in. Amen. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. Verse 10. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. God hasn't forsaken. By the way, you're not the only child of God that ever thought that. We've, t- we've covered that before. David thought he was forsaken. Asaph thought he was forsaken. Heman thought he was forsaken. Jeremiah thought he was forsaken. I'll tell you what, you get down in a, in a good old pit of emotions and distress and depressions and everything else, you'll be looking up in that miry clay and you'll be thinking, God forsook me. Hath the Lord forgotten to be gracious? Yeah, you'll you'll start to think that, that God's forgot about you. You'll start to believe in your heart that God's forgotten about you. Like he doesn't remember where you're at anymore. That God doesn't care anymore. That that God, God must never have loved me. I must never have been a Christian because what I'm going through. Well, friend, your Christianity is not based on what you go through. It's based on who you know. It's based on who knows you. 
It's based on the Lord. It's, ba- it's not based on your circumstances. It's not based... God, our faith is not fickle. Amen. It is not fleeting faith. It is not, it is not fickle faith. It is a sure foundation. It is the faith of Christ. So then it endures. It endures as the storms come, as the wind blows, as the hail comes, as the tornado comes, as Euroclidon comes, as all those things come, and the anchor holds, which we're going to talk about next week. Amen? The anchor holds. It holds, friend. It holds. Amen? I know it to be true. That just excites me. It gives me, it almost gives me goosebumps on the back of my neck. I'll tell you, it really does. I can, I can feel it. Why? Because I know my anchor holds. I know it does. I know it because it's been tried. It's been tested and he's found to be faithful. Always faithful. Always faithful. Always. Why? Because he's always the same. He never changes. You change. You go through seasons of change. The years have no effect on God. They change him not. Years have effect on you. Your body starts to, starts to break down. Your mind starts to break down. Eventually, you will be put in a casket, and you'll be buried in the ground. Or we'll all be blown up. One of the ways. One of two ways. But anyway, uh, that, that one of the ways we're going to go, right? But the point with that is, is that this, that's going to die, but it doesn't change Christ. It doesn't, he, he never changes. Don't think of God's love as fickle as, as your feelings toward people when they wrong you or when they offend you or when you offend them. And you think of God's love like God's love is eternal. God's love is everlasting. God, the, he changes not. He is our refuge and always will be. It is when you are in times of trouble that you are to run to him, not run away from him. Right? You need to grow your faith in that, in that sense, and God is doing something to grow that. Psalm 9, verse, uh, verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord, which dwells. I like what, remember verse 10. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou hast said, thou hast not forgotten them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelt in Zion, declare among the people his doings. Right? You need to praise God for his goodness when you're going through times of distress, when God is to be your refuge and you're to run to him. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength. <laughs> okay, so let, let me give you a good lesson here. When you're depending on your own strength, you don't need God's. But when you come, when God, when a trial brings you to the end of yourself and you're like, I, I can't do it. Well, you're right. You can't. That's, that's true. You, you absolutely can't. You're right. I'm glad you figured that out. That, that is a very painful lesson to learn sometimes. No, there, you know what it's called? It's called a lesson in humility. I'll give you one better. You never could. And neither could I. And why we ever thought we could. Maybe that's what God's trying to show us. Maybe God's trying to show us that be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Wait a minute. You mean I can't even? Yeah, you can't. You know how David couldn't pick up that armor and put it on? He said, I haven't tried. I can't. 
I can't wear this. I'm going to use my sling. Why? He didn't have the power to put that on and to walk that around. He hadn't trained with that. But God says in Ephesians 6 that you, you pick up the armor with the power of his might, not your own. When you keep looking to yourself for strength, you're so proud you still think you have some. Like, you, you still think you can do it. Yeah. Like you, you don't, you're not asking for his help. Really, you're being you're dependent upon yourself in that sense, and then you're like, "Well, God, help me out of this and do it my way, will you?" Yeah. God, help me out of this and do it my way. Exactly how I'd like it to be done my way. Well, you're not needing God's help. You're wanting your own. You're you're going to do it your own way, right? That's what happens a lot of times. Many times. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know, this is a lesson. I, I, man, I hope you're paying attention to this. I really, I really do. Because it's so practical. God gave the Psalms to you and the, for a reason. So, so you would say, well, I'm not in any trouble. All my bills are paid. I, I got everything under control. It's always dangerous for a Christian to think they have everything under control without God. And they, they got it all figured out. Right? I really do enjoy admitting to God, God, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes you may ask me about a situation, say, I don't know, I'm going to have to pray about it. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Right? Why? Because God knows. And I go to him. He knows. He has the answers. I don't. I don't have all the answers. But I know where to find them. By prayer and in his word. That's, that's where the answers are, right? He says here, very present help in trouble. Therefore, remember, he's a refuge to run into. A refuge. So it's that, he's that shelter, that place, that city of refuge to run into. To be protected by, right? He says, therefore, will not we fear? David is making a declaration here. His declaration is that I'm not going to fear. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna trust God. I'm not gonna give in to my fears. Not that he never had any, because he explains that he had a lot. But he says, therefore, will not we fear? Though the earth be removed. Okay, I don't know if you understand you know, like he's saying, that though I'm standing on the earth and it be removed. He's making a, a very large declaration of following God. And he's saying, if everything around me shakes up, he says, if the earth or the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, <coughs> though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, he said, I'm not going to let anything move me away from the Lord and that city of refuge. So guess what happens? That'll be tested. 
Everything around you will be shaken up in this life. Everything will be turned upside down in this life at times. At times you will feel like everything is falling on around you. There's an earthquake. Everything will be destroyed. Mountains are going to be tossed into the sea. The levels of the sea are going to rise. It's going to be dangerous. Everything is going it's, 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 to be in turmoil. Everything is going to be mixed up. Everything is going to be terrible. If you ever walked outside and the whole earth started shaking, you have an earthquake, uh, cracks there, uh, mountains being moved into the sea, all this, all this turmoil happening. Right? That would be terrible. Or you're on the high seas and the winds are hundreds of miles an hour and, and the waves are, are crashing and it looks like the ship is going to be overturned and everything else. What is, it, what is he saying here? He's saying, I will not be moved. That's the reason for the test. Don't you get it? That, that, you, that, you're, that though everything in your life is shaken up, and every doubt and fear and emotions and trials and tribulations and everything feel like they are just, you're going to be shaken out. What David is saying is God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, because of this, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and, the, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea? You know, that really, that's, I, I've said this to you before, I'll say it again. And I, you say, boy, you always say that. I know because it's still true. And I'll say it again to you. But that's, that's what the Lord taught me. One of the major lessons that God taught me through everything that I've been through in, that, in, that, in those years is that I, I want you to trust me. I, I just want you to trust me. I want you to continue to follow me. I want you to trust me. I'm the same God that saved you. I'm the same God that called you. I'm the same God that anointed you to preach my book. I'm the same God that has worked in you all these years. And in the dark, I will be the same God and I will still take care of you. And I will be your refuge. I will be your light in darkness. I will take care of you. And you need to trust me. You have to believe me. I want you to believe me above everything else. I want you to believe me above everything you feel, every fear you have, every, every, every scary thing that's thrown at you. I want you to believe me. Like, God, it's shaking up pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I'll, it's pretty dark. It's pretty scary. It's, it, it's, it's frightening. I, I'm afraid. I, I'm, I'm afraid. I know you are, but you have to trust me, and you have to tell me everything that you're afraid of. Tell me it all. Tell me everything you're afraid of, and I did. I told him everything, everything that I was afraid of, things that I would never tell any man alive, but I told God. I told him everything that I was afraid of, everything, every fear I ever had. No matter, no matter how horrible it was, no matter how disgusting it was, no matter how vile it was, whatever it was, I poured it out to God. I poured, I, I, by the Holy Spirit, I poured out every fear, doubt, uh, um, everything, everything you could imagine and things that you, I don't want you to ever imagine, everything. And I poured it out to God. And God said, yeah. And I'm going to keep you through all of it. I will keep you through all of it. I will show you that I am greater than anything else. And you will desire me more than you desire anything else in this life. Psalm 57, 1. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. 
Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. Look, until these calamities be overpassed. Amen. In the shadow of his wings that God would, just like a mother bird uh, puts her, her uh, bird, her uh, babies in the shadow of her wings, right? She covers them and keeps them from all evil and protects them with her life. God says, I will do the same. And David understood, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. He said, my soul trusteth in thee. I'm going to tell you what, you need, by the way, you need these declarations sometimes. I don't mean to say before men, I mean to say before God. You need to, you need to pray these psalms back, amen, when you're in that time of distress. You need to do that when God lays it on your heart and shows you that. You pray those back to God. God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you no matter what happens. I'm going to continue on. Lord, strengthen me and keep me because I'm going to move. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to trust you through it all. I'm going to believe you through it all. Amen. He appeals to God's mercy first when he says that, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. In the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Let me ask you, is God your hope of refuge in a time of trouble? Do you run to your hiding place in Christ? The Bible says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Psalm 59, 16. But I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Amen. For thou hast been my defense. Make God your defense. And your refuge in the day of trouble. Because many days of trouble are ahead of you before you go home. Many. We have many miles to go, pilgrim, before we go home. Many. You better learn to make God your refuge now. Look to him for your defense. Look to him to defend you. You know, I used to, I used to look at some of those hate videos and, 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 and look at some of those and be really troubled by those and affected by those. God cured me of that. Um, now I just kind of chuckle at them. I just kind of laugh at them now. Just, they they kind of make me laugh now. Why is that? Well, because they're foolish and, and they haven't, they don't do anything. And I don't, I don't look to the approval of men for, to do the will of God. Amen. God taught me neither to be flattered by them, nor to fear them. Amen. But just to care what he says, let, let them, let them say what they want. Let them do what they want. Let them, they, they don't, they don't change anything. So we just keep going. We keep obeying the Lord. Amen. We keep going. He is our defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Listen to this. By the way, he personalizes that. you got to personalize these promises of God. You have to. If you want to come to that full assurance of faith, you need to personalize those things. As you look at them. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. Man, I like that. That's good. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. The things that you'll question yourself on, though, is, but pastor, what if I run to him and he hides his face from me? Then I will seek him yet more. I will run after him, for he will not refuse me. He will never leave his children hopeless. 
draw near to him, run harder. You say, I've knocked and, and I don't feel any peace. I don't seem to have any peace. Knock harder. Knock longer. Run harder. The violent take it by force. Right? When Jacob wrestled with the angel to the, to the breaking of the day, what did he do? He would not let him go until he blessed him. Then what is it required of God's people to do the same? To not let him go until he blesses them. To continue on, to hold on, right? That takes faith, to believe God. You believe God over all of your circumstances, over all of your trials. You knock harder, you cry louder, you seek him the more because he is thy hope and thy refuge and you run into him. He is thy shelter, he is thy protection from danger or distress. Psalm 62, 7. I got a lot of Bible verses for you here today. Psalm 62, 7 and 8. That's okay though, that's what we need to strengthen us, right? In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. His rock, his glory, his strength, his refuge. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Look, verse 8. Pour out your heart before him. He says it again. God is a refuge for us. See law. You know why you may not see, it might not seem to you that God is your refuge? Well, if you're not saved, he's not. But if you are saved and you're struggling with that assurance of salvation and those other things, the reason why is you're not pouring out your heart. You're not. You're withholding. When you empty everything to God, he'll fill you with his spirit. When you empty all your despair, he'll fill you with faith. I'm going to say that to you again. When you are completely emptied of all your despair before God, he'll fill you with faith. Now, you may not automatically feel good, but I can tell you, I've, I've been in this room praying for three hours, weeping, crying, howling, yelling, and then and didn't think I could get up and do anything else. And, and God gave me the strength to get up and continue on. That, that's because, wait, but God, I wanted you to give me strength like, like, you know, like I was thinking, like supercharge and like I'm, I'm automatically feeling better and I'm just going to go and I'm never going to have any of that despair. Everything's going to work out fine. Everything's, I'm going to be just super strong. No, no, that's what got you in trouble. No, no, that, no, no, we're not going to do that. No, no, that, that dependence on your, on yourself and that, and that lack of necessity and, and daily needing me and everything else is what caused the problems you no 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 that won't do no no we can't give you that that won't work that won't help you you need to be dependent upon the lord as god is your refuge you need to stay upon jehovah trust in him at all times ye people pour out your hearts before him do you pour your heart out before god do you pour it out before god do you know what that even means Well, that's one way. That's one way to weep, is one way. If there's sincere tears of repentance and sorrow, right? But that is true. That is one way. You know, I find that some people can weep more before men than they can before God. And you ought to be broken before God when you come to Him and you're in need. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Psalm 91, verse 9, Because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. 
when you make God your refuge and your place of habitation. Remember the Bible talked about them that left their first estate, right? And that their own habitation, right? They left the dwell. In this is the opposite of that is that God's people, they live in Christ. They have a desire to be near him. They have a desire to grow. They have a desire to, to learn of him. If when you are in trouble and your soul is vexed and fearful, you are afraid, do you turn to the God who sent his son to die for you? Do you turn to the God that is your refuge? Well, then if you do, you, should have full, you will grow in full assurance when you make God your refuge. That does not mean you don't ask for help from others. It doesn't mean you don't ask for prayer from others. God gave you men to follow. He gave you a church. He gave you a pastor. He gave you other God-fearing ladies that are in. By the way, there's nothing wrong with you ladies. If there's another lady asking one of the ladies to pray with you, there's nothing wrong with that. Especially these older ladies that have served the Lord for many years. You ought to look to them for a lot, right? God put them here for a reason. And the elder women are supposed to teach the younger women. And you ought to respect them. And you ought to, you ought to ask them their advice some, at different times when, when it's necessary, right? They've been through a lot of things that you haven't been through yet. They can be a help to you and an encouragement to you. And you ought to let them be. It's one of the things that the Lord has really laid on my heart that some of the ladies have, have really stepped up to, to teach and to help. And they're not teaching like, like classes or whatever. They're just helping with practical life. They're just there to help with practical life, right? Questions and everything else like that. And they're servants and examples, right? You have some ladies that have been saved for a long time, right? They've been serving the Lord for a long time. And you ought, to, you ought to talk to them. You ought to, I don't care how old you are. You might, they might be younger than you. That doesn't matter. If they've been saved for a long time, walking in the fear of the Lord, right? They have some wisdom. God's given it to them. God's given them that wisdom. The same goes for you young men, for these older men that are here. You know, you may not agree with everything that older man says or anything else like that, but I'll tell you what, they've been around a long time for a reason. They... They've been around a long time for a reason. They didn't, they didn't skate out on God and quit on God, right? They continued on in the scriptures through many trials and heartaches. So just remember that God's provided that guidance for you. But also understand that my duty as a pastor is to point you to that refuge. My, my duty is to point you to Christ. Not to be dependent upon me, but dependent upon Christ, right? But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge, said David. Psalm 142, verse 4, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. You know what this verse shows you? It shows you the impossibility of ourselves, of any man being able to fulfill our greatest need for peace and comfort and safety in dangerous times. Because verse 5 of Psalm 142 it says this, I cried unto, the, unto thee. O Lord, I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. What is he saying? He's saying that no man cared for me like God can care for me. No man could take care of me like God can take care of me. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. In fearing the Lord and reverencing God's name. 
The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Isaiah 25, 4, For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Jeremiah knew where his strength came. Jeremiah 16, 19, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of afflictions. The Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. Shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause, I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know mine hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Amen. And then we come to our text, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast which entereth into that within the veil. And we're going to stop there because we're going to get into the hope. And we're going to talk about that next week. The hope, that hope, the anchor of our soul. But you could study yourself what it means to, for God to be our refuge, but I think you get the point. That's who he is. That's part of who he is. There are so many types and, and illustrations and metaphors of God in the Bible. Many. One of those is that refuge. That means that, you know why? You know what that means? It means that there's going to be a time in your life when calamities come, when troubles come, when you are shaken up, when you are hurting, when you are doubting, when you are fearing, when you're in pain, when you're, when you're having struggles financially, or whatever the, whatever the calamities or afflictions or distresses may be, and you're going to have to see that Christ is all in all, that Christ is all you need. And those calamities teach us to run to the refuge. What does that verse say to us about fleeing? It says to flee, right? Flee to the refuge. It says to flee to it. We'll close with that. Hebrews, I'll just read you that here. Six, remind you of that. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, comma, who? Who gets the strong consolation? <laughs> Who have fled for refuge. By the way, that means that you came to Christ and he saved your soul. He brought you to a place of repentance and faith. Did you bring yourself there? No. That's right. That's right. It is Christ that brings you to that place. He shows you your lost condition. It's the grace of God. So therefore, what God is saying is, is look, at you have fled to him once when you knew that death was coming and hell was coming and you were going to die and go there. Why is it that in your calamities now, you don't see him as that same refuge? Because you have to be taught to. And that's what the most terrifying things in this life teach the child of God. They teach them to build and to grow in full assurance of faith. By through those calamities, you run to Christ. In your calamities, you run to Christ. You run to that city of refuge that is Jesus. That's how you build faith. That's how your faith grows. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's very simple. It grows through the trying of your faith. <clears throat> It worketh patience. It grows through trials. And when, when we have an immature look at those trials, we think that we've been cast off and that God is finished with us. 
and that we have not quite grown to the maturity of understanding that this trial is not to destroy you. It's to teach you. It's to strengthen you. But muscles have to be broken down for them to be built back up. And faith is that muscle. That's true. They, they will be torn down and broken down. Right? And rebuilt again by God. Build up stronger. Right? To be able to endure the testings that come our way. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for all that you do for us. And Lord, we just pray that you touch somebody's heart here, Lord, if they've never come to Christ for salvation, they've never repented and believed the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, that they'd repent and believe the gospel today. But these, your people, Lord, those that have come, they, they, they fled to the city of refuge in Christ. They ran to him for shelter. Would you teach them, Lord, to trust you through these calamities? Help them to come to you, to cry out in their hearts, Abba, Father, the spirit that has been given them to cry out to God, to be strengthened. And Lord, would you be their strength and their defense? Help us all, Lord, to trust you that way. Lord, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for your immutability. Thank you for your holiness, the beauty of your holiness. It's beautiful, Lord. It's, it's, it's magnificent. Thank you for it. God, help us to sing praises to you. You're so worthy of it. Forgive us for not. Forgive us for complaining and murmuring and not praying and rejoicing and praising your name. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Bless the food and the time we have together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.